Welcome to Random Rambling and Rhetoric with TJ Mercer. That's my TT. And it's all powered by the Samsung Notes. Now, here's my TT. I just loves me some porta potties, said no one ever. I don't know about you, but the ickiest thing on the planet is when I am forced to use a porta potty. I try to hold my bladder until the last possible minute. And what about nasty public restrooms? Ew, public restrooms plus kids. Parents, what do you do as soon as you take them to a public bathroom? You make them hold up their hands and forbid them to touch anything. Then you get in the stall, there's no toilet paper or seat cover, you handle your business, come out, and then there's no soap or paper towels. Lord, how much of Jesus is just not a good situation all around. Fortunately, though, fortunately, there's the restroom kit, a full bathroom solution the size of a lightweight deck of cards. A deck of cards, y'all. I keep one in my purse all the time just because it's complete with a full patented oversized toilet seat cover, enough toilet paper to cover the essentials, plus wet wipes for your tushy and your hands. The restroom kit is a don't leave home without a necessity for your road trips, you going camping, the beach, festivals, basically any restroom that ain't yours. Even that friend of yours who's cleaning is not their strong suit. You know what I mean. So pop on over and visit therestroomkit.com. That's therestroomkit.com. And when you use the code RAMBLINGS, R-A-M-B-L-I-N-G-S, you will get 15% off your purchase. So stop going to the bathroom without the full protection you need. Go get the restroom kit at therestroomkit.com. so good for my soul. It has been so lovely to meet all of you tea lights. Hey, Melissa. Yes, my mom is here last night, bomber number one. Yes, last night. So proud of you. Thank you, mom. Elsie says, I'm so going to miss hanging with you all every evening. Thank you, Teach, for authentically blessing us this whole month of August. Y'all, we made it. I can't believe it. This is day 31. And I'm assuming, okay, I was going to say some, nobody has told me they can see and hear me, but I'm thinking they could. Um, hey, Ren, my Renny Ren. Let me get Instagram going. Uh, let's get, stop playing like the new session. Y'all can't see Ren's comments. Start playing. Stop playing the new session. Don't start till tomorrow. <laughs> Shut up, Ren. Uh, okay, so add to my story live. Hit live there. And 
we are live. Let's see, paste. There's that pin. Okay. All right. So we're all set. We're all set. Live on Instagram. This is day 31 of August full of TJ and Jesus. We have been here all month and God has shown up mightily. I am so grateful and so honored that so many of you have opted to hook your trains to my caboose from day one when I said I don't have no clue. I am TJ Mercer. I'm typically known as the walking exclamation point and the chief noisemaker of Media Mavericks Academy, where I teach authors, experts, coaches, and entrepreneurs how to book themselves in the media without a publicist and without being a celebrity. However, in this season, God took me back to my Bible storyteller roots and had me go live every single day to teach his word and to essentially go get his people out of Egypt. And I became y'all Moses and y'all let me. And we are making our exodus out of Egypt. And we have spent all month awakening the Peters in us and our lives have been touched and changed. Yvette says, this has been eye-opening, life-changing, much needed time learning and growing in the word. You brought it to life for me. Thank you, Teej. It is my honor, Yvette. I appreciate those of you who just self-identified as one of my tea lights, that you are committed to being that little candle in the room so that once just lit by yourself, you may not light up the room, but because all of us have come in together and walked this journey together, um, we have lit up the room. And it is my belief that God wanted to spend this time with each of us to get us ready for our next of how he's sending us out. And um it's been a ride, y'all. It's been a ride. Days where I cried the whole lesson because just God, how God was making it plain for us. And um, I so appreciate and honor everybody who is cheering me on and letting me know that albeit uh, uh, non-traditional of how I taught and how and some of the things that I interpreted and um uh, Miss Marilyn, what's CBS this morning? What you talking about? What that mean? What you mean by that? I'm not making the co the connection quickly, so tell me uh, what's going on there. Um, and and just that you have just raised your hands and say, you know what? She may be crazy, she may be offbeat, she may be extra, but I like her. I like the way she gets down. And if nothing else, I ain't got to agree with her, but I do believe she knows Jesus and she loves Jesus. Um, Bert says, I need to be that animated airtime. Yvette says, I got some notes. Man, I got some notes. Uh, Bert says, this has been a blessing. TJ has forever ruined Bible study for me. <laughs> I think that's probably the best compliment, Bert, that I have ruined Bible study for you. <laughs> Yeah, I'm thinking it's going to be hard for you guys to, to go through another series if they're not all over the place and demonstrating and, and calling Jesus, you know, putting words into Jesus' mouth and ninja. <laughs> and um, uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, look, listen, God knew what he was getting when he made me. Like He knew what he was getting. My mother didn't necessarily know she was getting, but she's accepted it. Um, but God knew this is all me, God. You created this. Uh, when you had my mom and my daddy hook up, this is what they were going to produce. So, you know, this has been a season where I have just stepped into my own and owned up to it and not played it down. And my, my hope is that uh, you guys have taken some of that energy and and absorb that part of my fingerprint that be who you who God created you to be. Don't try to to dumb it down or uh, dim your light. Be everything that God created you to be. And if nothing else, I want you to walk um, away with that. And we started day one with the acronym START. Stop talking and roll tenaciously. And we talked about the fact that I didn't have the whole plan. I didn't know how we were going to do this. I didn't know what, what God was going to do through all of this. And yet, if you have been rocking with me on day one on a, a fairly regular basis, you can see you don't have to have the whole plan. You just have to, you have to just trust. You don't have to know every single step. There are some things that he's going to, there's some things, uh, what Audrey said, can't go back to those tame illustrated lessons. <laughs> Patrice says, yes, sir. They got to step up their game for real. Uh, Ms. Rochelle says, though, this was very animated and my imagination expanded. God gave you the imagination. So when you study scripture, just let, let him use who you are to make the word come alive. And that's essentially all I did. I just let him use who I am to make the word come alive. So with that said, we're on our day 31 and the topic is the fingerprint part two. And so last night we talked about um, uh, how we're looking at Peter and looking at the different examples of Jesus's fingerprint on Peter and all the training that Peter sat under the fingerprint we looked at five instances, I believe it was five or four, five, four or five instances last night of what that fingerprint looked like. So we are going to, we are going to, um, uh, we are going to continue that journey of looking at Jesus's fingerprint on our dude, Peter. So Y'all ready to eat for the final night of 2020's August Full of TJ? Let's just say that. Um, Y'all ready to eat? Let's go over to, we've got, we're not traveling. We're traveling a little, but we got a lot of scriptures to get through. Because this is one of them situations where you remember uh, when I taught the Last Supper and I was, we were focused on what was important for Jesus to make plain for his disciples on his last night. Well, that's kind of what's happening here. I'm like, okay, so we got to make, I got to make sure that I leave this. So we, we may be here longer than normal. So get comfortable. 
uh, since this is our last night, get comfortable and just let me make sure I pour everything that I'm supposed to pour into you. With that said, let's go over to Matthew 9, 1 through 4. Matthew 9, 1 through 4. Jesus climbed into a boat and went back across the lake to his own town. Some people brought to him a paralyzed man on a mat. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, be encouraged, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law said to themselves, that's a blasphemy. Does he think he's God? Well, duh, yeah, he did. Hey, Jamila. Hey, Miss Selma. Jesus knew what they were thinking. Jesus knew what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you have such evil thoughts in your hearts? He knew what they were thinking. Why do you have such evil thoughts in your heart? Pop over to Acts 5, 3 through 11. 5, 3 through 11. Then Peter said to Ananias, why have you let Satan? Well, let's go back. Let's go. We need to put paper take it from the top. But there was a certain man named Ananias, Ananias, who with his wife, Sapphira, sold some property. He brought part of the money to the, to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount with his wife's consent. He kept the rest. So they in it together, basically. He, he, he submitted to his wife, got his, they, they showed us how a marriage should work. They, they were working as a team. Then Peter said to, to Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. Fingerprint. The Holy Spirit has started giving Peter discernment that he knew what was in people's heart. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wish. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do such a thing like this? Ananias, you weren't lying to me, but to God. And as soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor, bam, and died. <laughs> and everyone who heard about it was terrified. Check your heart, check your heart. <laughs> Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet and took him out and buried him. And about three hours later, uh-oh, his wife came in. No, they, they didn't have cell phones at that time. So, you know, not knowing what had happened, Peter asked her like, oh, Peter, was this the price you and your husband received for your land? I'm sure Peter was like, please tell the truth. Please tell the truth. Please tell the truth. Yes, she replied. That was the price. Then Peter said, how could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the spirit of the Lord like this? He made an example. The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door. And now, sorry, they will carry you out too. And instantly she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. 
great fear gripped the entire church. You think? If they didn't know Peter by now, by then, they know him now. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. Yet you think like this dude, Peter, he ain't gonna be played with. Go over to Mark 5, 25 through 34. Mark 5, 25 through 34. Okay, so we're back to Jairus. Remember, he was the big wig at the temple. He's come to ask Jesus to heal his daughter. And 25, a woman in the crowd that suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. She had suffered a great deal from many doctors. And over the years, she had spent everything she had to pay them, but she had gotten no better. In fact, in fact, Bert, she had gotten worse. She had heard about Jesus. So Elsa, she came up behind him through the crowd and touched his robe. For she thought to herself, if I could just touch his robe, I will be healed. Wren, immediately the bleeding stopped and she could feel in her body that she had been healed of her terrible condition. Just his robe. Jesus replied at once that healing power had gone out of him. Faith was pulling on him. Something, uh, I, I, listen. I know my skills. I know when people are tapping into me. So he turned around the crowd and asked, who touched my robe? His disciples said to him, uh, dude, you're tripping. You see all these peoples here? Look at this crowd pressing around you. How can you ask who touched me? They were basically saying, Jesus, that was a, you tripping. That was a dumb question. But <laughs> undeterred, he kept on looking around to see who had done it. This is one time Jesus didn't even know who he was healing. Then the frightened woman trembling at the realization of what had happened to her came and fell to her knees in front of him. I, I can imagine she being terrified because all Jesus was wanting to know, who can you just imagine? 12 years. You didn't even touch the man. You just touched his robe and you immediately knew something had shifted and that you were healed and you thought you were on your way to just live your life quietly and you thought you were just going to get away with getting what you need. And, and, and Jesus is like, no, 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 no. You ain't just get to pull for me without some responsibility. So she came to him frightened, trembling at the realization of what had happened to her. Sir, I, I wasn't trying to be problematic. You got all of that power in you. I was just trying to borrow a little bit. And so she came and fell to her knees in front of him and told him, what she had done. And he said to her, this is what we talked about. This is the only time recorded that Jesus called somebody daughter. He changed her name from nameless woman with the issue of blood to claiming her as his daughter. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Your suffering is over. Pop over to Acts 5, 12 through 16. I just want to pick up just a little bit on the fingerprint. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people and all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. And remember, we know that it was Peter who spoke up. Catch this. It was Peter who spoke up and asked Jesus, dude, you tripping. What do you mean? Who touched you? 
but no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women. Peter is the rock to which he was building his church. 15, as a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats. Catch this, so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Not even him, his shadow. Jesus is healing people with the hem of his garment. His fingerprint is on Peter and his shadow. How do you create a shadow? Light has to be somewhere. Where is Peter getting the light? Jesus. His fingerprint is on Peter. And so when people are even encountering his shadow, Jesus is still being healed. They're still doing healing without even being present. Just because Audrey, he left his fingerprint on Peter. Remember last night I talked about anybody who has impact on you and you spent enough time with his, his, his fingerprint, their fingerprint is going to be on you. You spent enough time with me and you know my mother, you're gonna pick up, yeah, she got Wanda's fingerprint. If you knew my dad, you would still go, yeah, she got some hawk in her. Even if you, if you knew the dad who chose me, Pastor Mercer, because I spent so much time with him and he's had an impact on me, you're gonna say, yeah, mm, that, yeah, that's, that's, that's her daddy right there. And then I told you about my pastor, Pastor Donald Bell. If you know him, you're going to look at it, you're going to, mm, yeah, how she handles scripture. That's, that's straight out of Donald Bell's playbook. And you, read, you want that. That's an honor to know that you carry somebody's fingerprint. We're in a lineage. We're in a generational thing that we carry God's fingerprint. So I'm looking at Jesus was so strong on Peter that his shadow was bringing healing. How dope is that? That is my desire for you after spending 30 days with me. I don't need Del Mar to be a mini TJ. I don't need Lynn to be a mini TJ. I don't need me just to be a mini TJ. I just want my fingerprint because my fingerprint is coming from Jesus. And as I disciple more, I'm trying to just pa pass on the DNA and the fingerprint. That's what it looks like when you're spending time with people and you're nurturing relationships. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits. We watch Jesus do that all day long. And now his dude, that he changed his name and spoke to his identity of where he was headed, not where he was, not what he saw him as. He's doing the same thing. People are getting healed. 
and they're getting delivered. Mark 5, 37 through 42. So this is right after Jesus um, had healed the woman. They're back on their way to Jairus, but Jairus's messengers have come and told him, your daughter's dead, ain't, ain't no need for you to even bother the teacher. And Jesus is saying, Jairus, don't be afraid, just have faith in 37. Then Jesus stopped the crowd and wouldn't let anyone with him. <laughs> Peter getting front row seat to this good training and watching intimately how Jesus handles people. Remember, they were all moving the crowd. He stopped the whole crowd and just took the three, Peter, James, John, peanut butter, jelly, and James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw so much commotion and weeping and wailing. He went inside and asked, why all this commotion and weeping? The child ain't dead. She's only asleep. And I'm still, it still baffles me how Jesus be talking to people like he normal. And like he don't understand why people tripping because heck, they ain't seen nobody like you. But that's a story another day, Jesus. The crowd laughed at him. But he made them all leave. Y'all got to go. No naysayers. Remember, I think that was the day I talked about. You got to banish your naysayers to the nosebleeds. And he took the girl's father and mother and his crew into the room where the girl was dying. Your deliverance ain't for everybody. Holding her hand, he said to her, Talitha Kaum, which means little girl, get up. And the girl who was 12 years old immediately stood up and walked around. She didn't hesitate. She got right on up like she was asleep. They were overwhelmed and totally amazed. There's that amazed again. Jesus gave them strict orders not to tell anyone. I still don't understand that. God ain't showed me nothing about that. Like, Jesus, can you really expect people to not snitch? I would have been snitching all day. Don't Please don't tell me that you're going to be that good to me. Do you know how good you are? You're going to tell me I can't tell nobody? Can I at least tell? I got to tell somebody. Can you give me at least three people I can tell? Because I can't, I can't keep that to myself. And then he told them to, oh, well, and, and by the way, give us something to eat. Pop over to Acts 9. 32. Meanwhile, Peter traveled from place to place and he came down to visit the believers in the town of Lydda. Elida. They know their, their town name. There he met a man named Aeneas who had been paralyzed and bedridden for eight years. Peter said to Aeneas, here we go again, fingerprint. Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. He ain't taking credit. Catch that. He ain't taking credit. Peter don't ever take credit. Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your sleeping mat. And just like we see Jesus, it said instantly that little girl got up and he was healed instantly. Then the whole population of Lydda and Sharon saw Aeneas walking around, they turned to the Lord. Remember, we've seen that too. Like everybody who watched, they know he'd been, been crippled. 
And all of a sudden he walking. 36, there was a believer in Joppa named Tabitha, which is which in Greek is Dorcas. She was always doing kind, kind things for others and helping the poor. And about this time she became ill and died. Her body was washed for burial and laid in an upstairs room. But the believers had heard that, ah, Peter, the dude that can just use his shadow. The believers had heard that Peter was nearby at Lydda. So they sent two men, Jairus, coming to get his daughter to Jesus. So they sent two men to beg him, please come as soon as possible, 39. So Peter returned with them. And as soon as he arrived, they took him to the upstairs room and the room was filled with widows who were weeping and showing him the coats and other clothes Dorcas had made for them. It's too much. It's too much. Peter knows what to do in this circumstance. What does he do? Elsie, what does he do? But Peter asked them all to leave. Fingerprint. Then he knelt and prayed. We've seen him, seen Jesus do that. Didn't he do that with Lazarus? You recall when he went to get Lazarus, his prayer was, Father, I thank you for hearing me. You always hear me. Remember that? So what does is, what is Peter do? Fingerprint. He knelt and he prayed. Turning to the body, he said, get up, Tabitha. And just like Jairus' daughter, she opened her eyes. When she saw Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then he called the widows and all the believers and he presented her to them alive. They left the room, she's dead. They come back into the room, she's alive. And the news spread through the whole town and many believed in the Lord. Upon this rock, Lashenda, I will build my church. Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. And Peter stayed a long time in Joppa living with Simon of Tanner of Hides. Hmm. He lived with the Tanner of Hides. Hmm. Go to Luke. 29-30 I almost missed this but then I'm like mm, they need to see this they need to see Jesus's influence hey David they need to see Jesus's influence later Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? So go back over to Acts 9.43. Jesus was always known to roll with the undesirables. He wasn't phased. He broke bread with the undesirables. And then even sometimes when the undesirables would let him in their house, he would go off on him. Remember that? I'm like, Jesus, you do you have no manners? And Peter, 943, Acts 943. And Peter stayed a long time in Joppa living with Simon, a tanner of hides. And so 
certain details pop out to me sometimes when I'm studying, like what's the significance? Why did the Bible seem to think I needed to know that this particular Simon, this is not Peter, this is Simon, his, his another Simon, like there's plenty of TJs. Why did the Bible think it was worthy of me to know that it was a tanner of hides? That's all we hear about Simon. And when I did some digging, it was unorthodox for Jews, which was Peter, to be around certain animals, especially if they were dead. So once again, we're seeing Peter have Jesus's fingerprint and start mixing with people that Jews would look down on spending time with, that they weren't clean enough to spend time with. We're watching how Peter is, is taking on that same thing that Jesus would do, that Jesus would spend time with you no matter what culture says, no matter what society has said or why we should be separate, Peter watched Jesus get down like that on a regular basis and not miss any opportunities to love on God's kids. We're seeing Jesus's fingerprint on, in just subtle ways of Peter changing. Because remember, we've, we've established Peter was that dude, that rough, roughneck fisherman that until his encounter with Jesus would, could probably be one of the harshest people to be around, but that three and a half years with Jesus of him watching Jesus be gentle is changing Peter. Go to Mark 135. This is just a quick one. I wanna just pick up the subtleties. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. He went to an isolated place to pray. So much so that later we know Simon Peter is watching this. Simon and the others had to go out to find him. So they watched. And when I covered this, I think we were covering it on the day we were talking about praying. Simon watched Jesus' commitment to his routine of prayer and going to be isolated for prayer. Go over to John 4, 1 through 26. This should have come earlier, but this is the, this is the story of the Samaritan woman. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But we know that Jesus had an encounter with the Samaritan woman who is once again a part of a group that Jesus should not have been engaging with. And yet it says, verse nine, the woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. So Jesus is once again rolling with people that society had been like, nah, -uh. And I don't have to remind us of what the climate is that we're living in, but this is so familiar. 
She said to Jesus, dude, do you realize you are a Jew? And if you can't tell by all of this, I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you even talking to me, let alone asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God is for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I will give you the living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? And Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I'm rolling with, it don't come with no real pretty labels and it doesn't come with fancy bottling. but it's fresh and you'll never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them and gives them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. <laughs> she was tired of being humiliate, hum humiliated, which is why she was coming in the heat of the day because she didn't have to run into other women other Samaritan women. So she's being ostracized by her own community. <laughs> Can you just imagine how that woman felt? She didn't fit in anywhere. And she didn't lead with her name. She led with why she should be disqualified. She's carrying the burden of her sin. And then she's just been thrown away from her community. And then culture is telling her she shouldn't interact with the Jew. And so she's isolated for so many reasons. And she, she led with why she should be disqualified. How many days has she been living like that? I think about our brothers and sisters who they're light skinned. They're too black to be accepted in American culture by races, but then within our own community, we throw them away because they too light skinned to be black, black. Hence we're having that issue with Kamala Harris and just that existence. And then on top of that in, trying to find yourself, you've caught yourself into some situations that everything you've done, you just kind of lead with of why. She didn't go into this situation of this is a stranger, maybe he's different, I can just have human interaction. And this, I didn't see none of this, this ain't what I studied, this is just coming to me. So she didn't go into this situation thinking for the best because she'd had too many times where people were hurting her. So she was just going to protect herself and shut the thing down before it even got started, before he could pop off and say something smart at her. And not to mention she's a woman and he was a man. So she didn't know what to expect. And now she's encountered a man who's talking to her and has this demeanor about himself that he's different. 
And so she, she's grasping for finally he's saying that maybe he has something that will stop this pain that I'm living in. So can you tell me what it is? So I don't have to come back here and deal with this humiliation and the stares and the looks. And he throws her a curveball in verse 16 and says, go get your husband. Can you imagine just in that moment when she has to process another letdown? And she has to say, I don't have a husband. And Jesus said, you're right. Jesus, Jesus has a way with the truth. Yeah, you're right. You don't have a husband for you have had five. And I don't imagine that he said it harshly. He said it in such a way that it was with love that she didn't feel intimidated, but just enough that he could tell her, I know you. You've had five and you aren't married to the man you're living with now. So yeah, you, you're speaking the truth and just the way she came back, she didn't get offended. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is that you Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship? She's going, mm. Notice she didn't deal with what he said to her. She didn't acknowledge the personal that revelation he had given to her. She didn't ask him, whoa, how did you know that? She tried to just go back and change the subject. They don't have nothing to do with like, what kind of question is that? This man just told you, you ain't met this man. You don't know this man from Adam. But I guarantee you, it was the shame. So tell me, why is it that you Jews, I'm going to take it and make it universal because if you start dealing with me personally, it's just too much. So I'm going to keep it universally. Why is it that you Jews insist that the Jerusalem, that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it here at Mount Gerizim. Come on, y'all. Y'all know that that question make no sense in the, in the context of Jesus telling her about herself. But Jesus obliges her. Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, dear woman, dear woman. It's almost like daughter. The time is coming. It will no longer matter whether you worship the father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship while we Jews know all about him for salvation can't, comes through the Jews. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. I love that Jesus didn't bring it back. He, he could sense her shame. He, he didn't go beat it in her. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. And the father is looking for those who will worship him that way for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ, when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. 
skip down to 28. I wasn't going to cover this, but now that God has shown me the new revelation of how she responded, the woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village. Now look at what she's saying. This is how we know Jesus changed her. When he told her about the, the five husbands, she didn't ask him nothing about it. And so he obliged her. He didn't make, he didn't rub her face in the shame. She asked him a general question. He gave her a deep general answer. But look at what she said when she started telling him about people. She wasn't telling him about the Jews. She was saying, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. So we know Jesus got through to her. Because when it came to tell it, she couldn't help but tell the personal. He had moved her on that level. And the freedom that that must have been for her to recognize that she had come up on an authentic encounter with the Messiah. Acts 10, one through 48. Jesus took time, remember, he went out of her, his way to stop at that well for that one encounter. And I'm sure Peter being Peter had questions about it. So they he probably asked about it, about the woman. And I'm sure Jesus broke it down about sometimes, Peter, you're going to have to move and change your plan for that one because that one is going to then go tell a hundred, but you got to take time for that one and have an encounter with that one. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius. So we got another man of power. And we know his name. He was a devout God-fearing man as was everyone in the household. And he gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him, Cornelius. So we once again know his name. Cornelius stared at him in terror. You think I would too? What is it, sir? He asked the angel, put some respect on it. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now, send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He stand with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter, oh boy went up to the flat roof to pray. He's watched Jesus steal off by himself. Fingerprint. He went up to the roof to pray and it was about noon and he was hungry. 
But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance and he saw the sky open up and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. And in the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. And then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. There's those threes. Then the sheep was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? For me, this was another way of God saying, your visions ain't crazy. This wasn't no long action dream. This was just a vision. And I had to start starting to ask God, show me what the vision means. So just then the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Look at the intentionality of God, how he's lining up everything. Just just then the men by Cornelius found Simon's house standing outside the gate. They asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision, he's still sitting there trying to figure out what the heck was that God? The Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs and go with them without hesitation. Don't dilly dally. Don't worry (laughs) that I'm sending you off with three men you don't know for I have sent them. So Peter went down and said, I'm the man you're looking for. Why have you come? They said, we were sent by Cornelius, a Roman officer, and he is a devout and God-fearing man, well-respected by all the Jews. A holy angel instructed him to summon you to his house so that he can hear your message. The one. So Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day, he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. They arrived in Caesarea the following day and Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. And Peter entered his home. Cornelius fell at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. I am a human being just like you, dude, if you only knew my history. So they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. And Peter told them, you know, it is against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean, the fingerprint. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now, tell me why you sent for me. Cornelius replied, four days ago, I was praying in my house about the same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me and he told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now, send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. And he's staying at the home of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. So if you say so, I sent for you at once and it was good for you to come. Now we're all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. We watch Jesus take time to have an encounter with the Samaritan woman. Fingerprint. We're watching Peter navigate differently as a Jew. He's taking time to spend time 
with Gentiles. Then Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism upon this rock. I will build my church, not I will build my Jewish church. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of some of them. Nah, he's Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross. But God raised him to life on the third day, and then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead and he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God and to be the judge of all the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Even as Peter was saying those things, the Holy Spirit, my dude, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message and the Jewish believers who came with Peter were, there's that word, amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. And then Peter asks, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So he pulled his leader card. He gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with him for several days fingerprint. We're really seeing Peter coming to his own. John 10, 39 through 42. Once again, Jesus on here ticking folks off. Once again, they tried to arrest him, but hmm. He got away and left. He went beyond the Jordan River near the place where John was first baptized and stayed there a while and men followed him. John did perform miraculous signs, they remarked to one another, but everything he said about this man has come true and many who were there believed in Jesus. They tried to arrest him, but he got away. It was before his time. Go over to uh, Luke 4, 28 through 30. When they heard this, the people in the synagogue were furious. Jesus was forever ticking folk off. Jumping up, they mobbed him and forced him to the edge of the hill in which the town was built. They intended to push him over the cliff, but he passed right through the crowd and went on his way. 
you can't kill him before his time. He had a mission to complete. Go over to Acts 12. Acts 12. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother. James was the first to be martyred out of the apostles. And remember, James was a son of thunder. He had the apostle James killed with the sword. And when Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, the same people that Jesus was dying for, he also arrested Peter. Catch the time. And this took place during the Passover. He imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. So this little man got 16 people guarding him. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The night before Peter was to be played, and this is, the, by the way, this is the second time Peter has been arrested. The first time he was arrested with his boy, peanut butter and jelly. The night before Peter was to be placed on trial, he was asleep. Remember, Jesus was asleep in the boat. Storm all brewing around him. He just wakes up. Peace be still. Peter is asleep. He in prison. Sleep. Fastened with two chains between two soldiers and other, other stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side. Wake up! Quick! And the chains just fell off his wrist. Then the angel told him, get dressed, put on your air sandals. And he did. Now put on your coat and follow me. So Peter left the cell following the angel. But all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard post and came to the iron gate leading to the city. And this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street. And then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent an angel and saved me. Your assignment ain't complete, Peter. Fingerprint. Save me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark. Remember John Mark is this Mark that wrote Mark, the gospel. And historians believe that is actually Peter's story that Mark wrote on behalf of Peter. Uh, mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door at the gate and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside. Can you imagine? She just closed like that's a straight scene out of a movie. <gasps> Peter! And it closed the door and ran. Yo, it's Peter! It's Peter! Peter's like, um, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> Peter! Peter is standing at the door. You're out of your mind, they said when she insisted. They decided, oh, it must be an angel. Meanwhile, Peter's. <laughs> Hello, hello, Peter continued knocking. And when they finally opened the door, they said, finally, you see, finally, you know, Peter been out there for a minute. <laughs> like They finally opened the door. And this is a repeat. They did remember this is we're, we're singing fingerprint. 
Somebody sees Jesus. They ain't nobody believe it. Here we go. They can't believe it's Peter and the baby shut the door on the man. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. And when they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them. Shh, shh. Okay, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you what happened. And told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what happened, he said. And then he went to another place. At dawn, there was a great commotion among the soldiers about what happened to Peter. Herod Agrippa ordered a thorough search for him when he couldn't be found. Herod interrogated the guards and sentenced them to death. Afterward, Herod left Judea to stay for in Caesarea for a while. That's our Peter. And after that, the Bible doesn't give us any more details really about Peter. So I had to dig through history. Um, but before we go there, pop over to, so Peter wrote the um, first and second Peter. So let's just take a glance. We're not going to read all of it. I encourage you to read all of it so you can get just a good sense of who Peter became. And just kind of, there was, there's three things that I, there's three scriptures that I picked out like, yo, this Peter got, Jesus got a hold to Peter. Go to 12 and just listen how Peter talks. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior. This is the Peter who cut off somebody's ear for messing with his Jesus. And they will give honor to God when he judges the world. For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority where the king is head whether the king is head of state or the officials he has appointed for the king has sent them to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. I didn't write the scripture down, but you remember the day I taught where some people, they, the disciples, they were all together and Pete, well, hold on, let me just find it because I want you to really see it. Hold on. Oops. Go to Matthew 17. Matthew 17, 24. On their arrival in Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and asked him, does your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, Peter replied. Then he went into the house. But before he had a chance to speak, Jesus asked him, what do you think, Peter? Do, you, do kings tax their own people or the people they have conquered? They tax the people they have conquered, Peter replied. Well, then the citizens are free. However, we don't want to offend them. So go down to the lake and throw in a line. Open the mouth of the first fish you catch and you'll find a large silver coin. Coin, Take it and pay the tax for both of us. Instagram, we're getting ready to disconnect. You can pick it up over at YouTube. Now, go back to where we were. 
1 Peter 2 and 13. Look at the fingerprint. Peter's essentially saying the same thing. Respect the authority. 13, for the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority. He watched Jesus do that. Not Jesus told him to. He watched Jesus handle that. Go to 1 Peter 3, 13 through 16. Now, who will want to harm you if you're eager to do good? This is the Peter that cut off a man's ear. This is the Peter who will be like, I die for you. But even if you have to suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Peter had to be told to stand down. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Catch this, but do this in a gentle, this, Peter, the Peter who was always ready to fight, the Peter who would cuss you out. This is the evolution of our best friend, Peter. He's telling folks now, do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. Remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if that is what God wants than to suffer for doing wrong. Peter. Go over to 1 Peter 4. So then, no, uh, verse, uh, verse four, four, four. Of course, your former friends are surprised when you no longer plunge into the flood of wild and destructive things they do. So they slander you. This is Peter. Remember, Peter was a fisherman and we've determined what kind of fisherman. He ran what people call sons of thunder. And because of interaction with his boy, his Jesus, this is the Peter that we're finishing with. And I'm convinced there was no accident that the roughest among us needed to see this of what your life could look like when you have authentic encounters with Jesus. When you've sat at the feet of Jesus. Now, one thing I noticed, it didn't show Peter washing nobody's feet though. <laughs> so I'm not sure if Peter washed feet, but we can see just in how Peter speaks now. He's very thoughtful in his choice of words. And so like I was beginning to say earlier, that past this, we don't see what happens to Peter. So I had to look at what history said and it said, hmm. The same Peter 
that denied Christ out of fear. The same Peter that was always putting his foot in his mouth. The same Peter that didn't look like anything like God was going to turn him into so much. The word says that Jesus looked at him intently as he renamed him. But it was the same Peter that God sent Jesus and had Jesus spend so much time with. The same Peter that Jesus had told him that you were going to come back to me, that you were going to repent. You were going to do this thing, but you were going to come back and you're actually, you're going to take a stand for me like no other and that I wasn't, I wasn't wrong and I, it wasn't an accident and it wasn't coincidence that I named you Peter because you're going to build my church. It was never a question that that same Peter that God told that Jesus told him you're going to die like me. And we walked through that night of crucifixion and what Jesus suffered and that same Peter did ultimately get crucified. But catch this, historians said that he refused. His request was not to be crucified, crucified like Jesus. He asked them to turn him upside down because he wasn't worthy. He didn't feel worthy to die in the same manner of death as his Jesus. That was our Peter. So the point is, no matter how you started this journey, no matter what you have done, no matter how many times you have blown it, Jesus had already spoken your new name, Audrey. Jesus had already spoken your new name, Melissa. He had already spoken your new name, Nejus, Dolly, Delmar, Tish, Patrice. He had already spoken your name, your new name, Elsie. Knowing everything, he still spoke to where you were headed. August 31st of 2020, didn't come as a surprise for him. Lashinda, he had already spoken your new name. During those days we sang in Mount Moriah's youth choir. He had already determined what your new name was and what mine was. So nothing has disqualified us to this point. And it wasn't a matter of if you would come back to him. It was just a matter of when. And he sent me for these 31 days to sit at his feet and use me to walk you through your training so that now 
you've got his fingerprint. And you can walk boldly and amaze people. You can walk boldly and be content on knowing that you are his child. You are his daughter. You are his son, Bert. You are his son, David. And so the final, the final five letters of fingerprint, we'll review the first six. When you have Jesus' fingerprint on you, you have the faith in the Father. You have influence. People will listen to you. You have natural gifts that came with you that he's going to use. There's greatness inside of you, Bert. Mom, there's an excellence that you, you operate in because of Jesus' fingerprint. Miss T, there's a resolve that come hell or high water, you're going to finish your assignment. And so P, When you got Jesus' fingerprint, you got purpose. You may not be able to identify it readily, but you have purpose. You also command respect, Miss Marilyn. You command respect, Miss Rochelle. And just like how we saw with the Samaritan woman, there was something about the way Jesus spoke that he, he changed her attitude by you are a Jew. Why are you speaking to me? To she started referring to him as sir. Jamila, you're going to have integrity. Jesus, you could take to the bank. what Jesus' word was. And the word says God's word will not return to him void. So there's a, an amount of integrity that even if it costs you, your integrity is gonna be intact, Deborah. You have a necessity for someone else's life, meaning your life is necessary for them. Remember, we saw Jesus go after the one. We saw Peter disrupt his plan, his schedule for Cornelius. After he had gotten the vision, God was preparing him for his assignment that was in Cornelius. God selected Cornelius so that Peter would start navigating differently. 
So Peter was a necessity for Cornelius' life. And T, transparency. When you got Jesus' fingerprint, we saw Jesus be transparent. We saw when Jesus was mad. We saw when Jesus' feelings were hurt. We saw when he was scared. We saw him distressed. So when you got Jesus' fingerprint, you you walk with a certain degree of transparency. My heart's desire is that from this day forward, that you remember who you are. That you remember this season, this window of time as the turning point of when you decided I'm no longer living life how I used to live it. At this point, I have to navigate differently. And I want each of you to be careful to run your race at your pace, Lynn. Don't get caught up in comparison. And it's been on my heart for several days and I'm probably gonna do just a separate Facebook Live tomorrow about this, but we watched how it's coming out of how long Chadwick Bozeman had suffered with the cancer. And so we have a whole bunch of posts and I had to check myself. We have a whole bunch of posts talking about, we have no excuses. We should be feeling guilty. This man did this. And in my prayer time this morning, God had to remind me, we don't know how Chad was feeling. For all we know, he may not have been in any pain because this was his assignment. And God provided him with the supernatural energy to do this assignment. It's like Jesus knew he was coming into the world and only had 33 years and was only going to do three years of ministry. So he lived with a different purpose. So we got to be careful of not letting ourselves get caught up in attaching how we do our assignments, just how he did his. Because he had a different anointing and you're going to get in trouble when you're trying to start taking somebody else's anointing. If God had that much intentionality for Chad, he provided Chad everything that he needed to do that assignment. And let me tell you something, when it really hit me this morning in my prayer of how I know it was supernatural is because y'all know I worked in Hollywood for 25 years and I'm seeing these posts around, you know, how many, how good, you know, Chad's circle was that did nobody tell his business. You are absolutely right. But then being in Hollywood, you got to think this dude was the Black Panther. 
So paparazzi, TMZ was stalking his every move. So it wasn't just his people. It was his doctors, his surgeons, the nurses. Uh, as soon as he stepped out of his door, paparazzi was in his face. So God was showing me, I hid him. I covered him for this specific assignment. And we're going to get in trouble if we try to do as he did without the anointing that he had. Because truth be told, I'm not built like Chad. My calling on my life is to live life out loud. That's different than what Chad had to do. So supernaturally, God had to shut up a whole bunch of mouths. Just like he shut up the lion's mouth for Daniel, he had to shut off the Hollywood machine for nobody to know. TMZ did not know. And he was dealing with this for four years. Doctor's appointments, hospitals, chemo, whatever his treatment was, Nobody knew that is supernatural. I'm telling you, that is supernatural. God hid that man for his assignment. So don't get caught up in letting how Chad did disrupt your rest, put you in grind mode, if you get sick, you're going to start thinking about what Chad did. Chad was anointed for that assignment. So be very careful in discerning when Chad should be inspirational and when Chad should just be anointed. Because I'm telling you, that was a supernatural move. My crew, my friends, I could see. If something happened to me and my my circle knows and don't nobody know, because that's my circle, who you're running with, who you're waiting with. That's my circle. But to be the Black Panther. From 2018 to 2020, his every move was stalked. And for him to navigate what he had to navigate, God hid him. Some kind of way. I don't know how, but I know enough about Hollywood that none of the nurses didn't approach TMZ for some insider information. Somebody could have gotten a big royal payday calling TMZ and diamond out the Black Panther. God shut everybody's mouths so that Chad could have the legacy that he was supposed to make. So take the lessons from his life but you can't borrow his anointing. It was reserved for him. Okay. The last scripture. And I'm probably, like I said, I'm probably going to do a separate Facebook live because I think people who, you know, have not been here, they still need to know that. And to look at that, because that's what I'm afraid that that's going to happen is people going to start grinding and grinding and grinding. And we don't know that Chad was grinding. We don't know how he did all of this. And this dude wasn't doing 
you know, simple, just dramatic films. These films were action driven that was taxing on a normal, healthy person's body. That was supernatural. And for all we know, it may not have taken a toll on him until the last six months. We don't know. So you can't be looking at his anointing and borrowing it for yourself. I honestly believe if something like that happened to me, God would have me live it out loud because that's what he called me to do. So what I'm going to be looking like losing Chad as the example and being in secret. And God is like, I didn't build you for that. There are people who resonate with Chad that don't resonate with you and vice versa. So I need you to live this thing out loud. No different than I walked through the pain of my niece in front of y'all. And it changed the game for a lot of you because the messages blew up that you were so grateful that I walked my grief out out loud because it gave you the freedom to grieve. I cannot tell you how many messages I got like that. So I'm not called to walk in silence. So I can't compare my race to Chad's. Okay. So with that said, the last scripture that I want to read as our final scripture of this series is I want us to go back to the Last Supper. And the only part of the Last Supper that we didn't cover is Jesus's prayer over his disciples. We covered everything he wanted them to know as his final time with him as he was in flesh. And I ended it because once I read the prayer, I was like, okay, God, I know this is what you want to leave with us. as we conclude our time together. So verse, I mean, chapter 17 picks up after Jesus had told them that he had to go, he's gonna die, what their call was. He was telling them about the Holy Spirit. It says that after saying all of these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. This is Jesus praying with his boys on his last night. For you have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one you have given him. And this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God. And Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth and he's talking to his dad and he said, daddy, I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, daddy, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. 
I have revealed you to Peter. I've revealed you to James. I've revealed you to John. I've revealed you to Andrew. I've revealed you to Bartholomew. I even revealed you to Judas to the ones you gave me from this world. You gave them to me and they were always yours though. You gave them to me and they have kept your word now. They know that everything I have is a gift from you for I have passed on to them the message you gave me. They accepted it and know that I came from you and they believe you sent me. He's talking to his daddy about his boys. My prayer is not for the world, but for those you have given me for Peter to shut his mouth and act with wisdom for John and James to not be striking off and popping off on people because they belong to you. They were my boys and all who are mine belong to you and you've given them to me so they bring me glory. Now I'm departing from the world and they got to stay here. They got work to do, but I'm coming to you, Holy Father. <laughs> you have given me your name. Listen, y'all, listen what he's saying to his dad. Protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are. God, I want to share power with them. So unite them. That thing that you and I have, share it with them. During my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not, I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. So I couldn't even stop that if I tried. <laughs> Now, I'm coming to you. I told them many things while I was with them in this world so that they would be filled with my joy. I have given them your word and the world hates them because they do not belong to the world just as I don't belong to the world. Daddy, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I just need you to keep them safe. I love them. Keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. Now, when I was reading this, I was like, this is so dope that he was going hard in the paint for his boys. And God, I'm hoping that Jesus pleads on my behalf for you. And then I, I hit 20 where he says, I'm not praying, not only for these disciples, but also for Lynn, for Bert, for Mama, for Miss T, for Elsie, for Audrey, for, for 
for, for Jamila, for Dolly, for David, for Patrice, I'm praying for them, to everybody who's listening on the replay, for everybody who has been tuned for these 31 days. I'm also praying for them who will ever believe in me through your message. So at the time he was getting ready to die, he was not just praying for his disciples, but he knew that there was going to be a TJ born on September 14th of 1972. And I need to cover her too. I pray that they will all be one. Not just these that are sitting here with me, that they will all be one. That Lashinda will be one, Jamila will be one, that Deborah will be one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me, Ren. <laughs> I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. He keeps repeating that. That's important to him. May they experience such perfect unity that the world would know that you sent me, that they'll do healings and, 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 and miraculous things just because of my shadow that I'm going to cast on them. That the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. There are no favorites, daddy. I want these whom you have given to me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Oh, righteous father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them and I will be in them. There is no more that I could pray than what Jesus has just prayed over you. So with that said, that will conclude day 31. Of August full of TJ and Jesus 2020. I love y'all. Again, thanks for rocking with us, sister. It is my prayer that we will continue being tea lights and letting our light shine in ways that baffle the world. Um, so let's count it down. Love you too, Yvette. 
Let's count it down. Ooh, 10. Love you too, Audrey. Nine. Eight. Seven. I love that. Dolly says, thank you, Teej. It was unforgettable. I always know that Dolly rocks. Yes. TJ and Jesus said so. Absolutely. Patrice says, I'm looking at days one through 31 again every day in September. I'm sure I missed a tidbit here and there. Elsie says, love you, darling. Keep on sharing your light with all of us. Um, Yvette says, live, same time tomorrow. Uh, no, Yvette. Oh, you talk about the live I may do to just talk about uh, Chad. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to see how God wants me to get down tomorrow. Because like I said, um, I may just go off the grid. Um, so I'm going to see. I'm going to see. Uh, I don't know where I was. Seven, six. Lashinda says, I'm a tea light. You are a tea light. Uh, can y'all do me a favor, actually? Because again, I don't know where God is taking this. Um, I don't know if it's something that God will have me going into churches and doing. So while it's fresh and while you're feeling the change in it, will you guys send um, just a quick few sentences? You can even copy and paste some of the things you've written here so I can have Claire um, put them all in one place. Um, hi there, uh, Patrice, somebody type that Audrey for me. Hi there at mediummavericks.tv. Will you send that? Um, send me just a few sentences of how this has impacted you. Um, whether it's my storytelling and things like that. So if I end up doing like a one sheet about this series, if, if, if a church wants to bring me in to speak or even teach a series on this, that I have testimonials of how impactful it has been. So do you mind, um, Bert, Jamila, Lashenda, Cynthia, Miss Mary, Audrey, Yvette, Patrice, to send just a few sentences. You ain't got to write a paragraph unless you just feel inclined to. Delmar, shoot that to um, Claire. So, oh, Andrea, you're here. Okay. Uh, yes, that is correct. Just send, send that to Claire for me so that she has them all in one place when we uh, build this out or, you know, I don't know. I just would rather have them and not need them to put on the one sheet. If, if a church wants to know more about the series, we can have some backup of, of um, how impactful the series is. Because I, I definitely don't think it is just going to stop here, not from what has been prophesied. So um, tell me where and when. So that was the, the email address. Hi there at mediummavericks.tv. That's going to go to Claire. Um, and as soon as you can, while it's fresh, because uh, I don't, I hate hunting people down for testimonials. So if you can do it tonight or in the morning, um, that will help just so that they are all in one place and, you know, speak to either my gift as a storyteller, uh, how you looking at scriptures differently, um, looking at Peter, you know, whatever you want to say that's on your heart, that it will help an organization. Um, it will help an organization know this is what can be expected if TJ comes in 
<laughs> she gonna be extra and over the top. So we ain't scared. We got enough people saying, if you can just deal with her, you will walk away change. So if y'all could do that, that would, um, that, that would help me tremendously. Um, I don't know where, where was I five? I love y'all, man. I love y'all. I don't, I don't really have words to say. Um, uh, Delmar it's hi there. Uh, uh, media Mavericks TV. Um, Dolly's asking, what should the subject be? Just make it, um, just make it uh, TJ testimonial for Peter. And that's when she'll know to put them all in a folder. So TJ testimonial for Peter or something like that. Just, just keep it that simple. TJ testimonial for Peter. Um, and so Claire will know to put them in a folder if we, we have to go back to them. Um, love y'all. Appreciate you. Um, Thanks, Elsie. Says, uh, praying God's complete covering over you and hedge of protection as you go forward with what he has for you. Yeah, that's what we got to figure out now. I got to get ready for my TED Talk. My TED Talk is on the 19th. So I got to get, get ready for my TED Talk so that I know that's going to be, um, that's going to be a focus. So thank y'all. This has been magnificent, better than I ever could have imagined. Thank you for trusting me. Uh, where was I? Four? <laughs> Three, two, one. See y'all later. See you around. Okay. Bye, y'all. Well, that's it. Hopefully, you enjoyed what my TT shared with you. And like she always says, let's go out and make God smile. And don't forget to hug somebody. It's T2 Mercer signing off now. See y'all later.